This is MSG Mic'd Up, a podcast from the 87th Mission Support Group, where we talk with people across JVMDL to hear the amazing things happening at the Joint Base every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of MSG Mic'd Up. Welcome back from the holidays. I hope you all had some time with your family and friends. This is Lieutenant Colonel Axel Clark, one of your hosts, and today I have with me a new host, Tech Sergeant Mariah Dixon from the Force Support Squadron. Welcome, Mariah. Thank you. And uh, so today we're going to talk to the 87th Air Base Wing Historian, Mr. James Warwick. So James, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. This is uh, my first podcast, so this should be interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so let's get right into it. What does a wing historian actually do? So not many people realize there's a wing historian. And, what, and, and I didn't actually know there was a, a historian in the Air Force until probably around 2000. Uh, so uh, with a with an interest in history, I decided uh, from being in security forces to to do something different. So that's how I got here. But my job uh, really is to institutionalize all the great things that the men and women of the 87th Air Base Wing do. So I collect, I organize a, lo- a ton of supporting documents. So uh, if there's something, you know, for example, the the innovations, you know, lab spark lab event that we did uh, last year. So I gathered all those documents to kind of tell the story of, of everything that was done to make that so successful. And then I institutionalized that in a history report. So, you know, this last history report that's just closed off was for 2018 and 2019. And so I compile everything with all the supporting documents and just say, here's what we did. And then if you want more information, Here's the supporting document. You can go, you know, read to get more information or get the statistical data from that. Uh, I'm responsible for all of the heritage uh, programs as far as the 87th Air Base Wing is concerned. Kind of, we're, we're a unique installation here that we have more than one historian. So there's a historian for the 305th. There's a historian for the Expeditionary Center. There's a historian for the 621st. So um, we're the only installation that has multiple historians like that. But as far as the 87th Air Base Wing and the Joint Base is, is concerned, I'm I'm the the guy. And it's kind of unique that uh, although I'm the Air Force historian, I get a lot of questions asked about the, the Army and the Navy as well. So I'm kind of looked at as the joint base historian kind of unofficially as well. Got it. So you sent us the Heritage Guide, mm-hmm. which is one of the products that you maintain. Mm-hmm. And it contains the joint base history across all three of the uh, McGuire, Dix, and Lakers. So can you give us a couple of highlights from the Heritage Guide? Yeah, of course. So... Uh, We'll start with McGuire. McGuire, McGuire Air Force Base actually uh, used to be part of the Fort Dix Army uh, airfield. Um, Fort Dix was actually is actually p- one of the oldest parts of the of the whole joint base itself. Uh, July 1917, uh, some New Jersey engineers came came to the area, a little sleepy town called Wrightstown, and uh, started building it up. That was in July. By December, uh, they had already trained 22,000 troops to go. To world fight in Europe in World War One, so uh, that built up pretty quick in the early 1900s. Uh, McGuire kind of broke off that in 1947 when we became a, a separate service. The Air Force was looking for uh, some place that was already pretty well established initially for bomber aircraft. So we had B-29 air bombers here, uh, but the tarmac was too too soft. The airplanes were too heavy for it, so it ended up um, becoming a, a air defense base, so fighters were here. And then Lakehurst, actually, technically Lakehurst is the oldest part of the installation because it was part of the Eddystone Proving Grounds where um, the Eddystone Corporation was testing and manufacturing 
artillery shells for the Russian Imperial Army. World War I kicks off, and then the army takes over what is known as Lake Hurst, and they called it Camp Kendrick. So then Camp Kendrick, uh, only around for a couple of years uh, for the uh, Army Chemical Warfare Service to test uh, chemical weapons as well as the protective equipment to protect from chemical weapons. And then in uh, 1921, Lake Hurst becomes Naval Air Station Lake Hurst for lighter-than-air aircraft. So it's kind of the quick 30,000 foot overview, if you will, but uh, pretty unique installation here that we have. What's the most challenging aspect of your duties? So the most challenging aspect is trying to gather all of the information and make sure that, that I have everything I need to tell the story and, and to, to archive what we do here in the, in the 87th Air Base Wing. So it's it's very different, so it's very difficult when I have to I have to reach this person and maybe get some of these documents. Um, you know, for instance, the the storm we had in July of last year that ripped through here and did a lot of damage. Uh, you know, I had to work with CE to get their documentation as far as the how much the damage cost and any pictures they took when they did surveys, and then uh, working with finance to figure out how that was going to be paid for, and then uh, the command post to get the command post logs. So I can kind of tell that whole story. And the same thing with weather. So weather was able to provide me with some of the snapshots to show that storm system coming through. So it, it's collecting all this data from different sources to be able to compile and be able to tell that story and tell it accurately, right? I say story, but it's not really a story because uh, I'm not making anything up. My job is just to report it. Mm-hmm. So there's no, um, I, I, it's not subjective. Uh, I don't. I don't, you know, say, hey, I think we should have done this or we should have done that. I just say, here's what we did from A to Z, and and here's the supporting documents to back that up. So there's no creative writing when it comes to a history report, wow. uh, which a lot of times folks are like, well, you can just write whatever and make the Air Force look good. Well, I could, but then I, you know, wouldn't be doing my job mm-hmm. properly. So, What's your uh, favorite historical fact about our now joint base MDL? Uh, and my family's Air Force, so they might get a little mad at me, but I think some of the Navy history here mm-hmm. is probably the most interesting, uh, especially with regards to the lighter-than-air era that started with Hangar 1. You know, Hangar 1 is 100 years old, literally 100 years old. And the lighter-than-air era um, was, at the time, you know, that was the state-of-the-art mm-hmm. you know, technology. And so... We were putting airships flying around, escorting cargo cargo ships across the ocean. Uh, we were uh, developing new technologies with lighter than air, and that was that was the state of the art thing at the time. And mm-hmm. so, that for me is the most interesting because uh, that whole era is gone and forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are still plenty of pictures. There's still plenty of of stories and things. Uh, you know, the USS. Macon, which went down off the, the coast of California, was lost for 60 years. It was stationed here at Lake Hurst. It was just doing exercises out in California in the 1930s. A storm ripped off one of its uh, fins, on the, its tail fins, and uh, it crashed into the ocean. Only two people uh, perished in that of the, of the 83 on board. But it was lost for 60 years and wasn't found until the late 1990s that uh, a survey team from National Geographic and Monterey Bay Aquarium mm-hmm. found the site and it was still intact. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. That, that for me is the most interesting part. 
That is very interesting. That, and that includes the Hindenburg. That does include little, the Hindenburg. Can you talk a little bit about that? So the Hindenburg, yeah. yeah. So the Hindenburg, um, when the on that May 6th event, when it crashed, that was actually, a lot of folks don't realize, it was that was the first voyage of its second year of doing trips here from Germany. It did, it did uh, I believe, 12 or 13 round trips uh, the year before. And it gives Lakehurst kind of the, the unique distinction of technically being the first international airport in the United States because planes, planes, small planes would fly in. The Hindenburg would come in, passengers would get off, they would get on the planes and then fly to different parts of the country. So, you know, that that is pretty pretty interesting in itself is that a lot of folks don't realize that it made multiple trips the year before uh, and it would just, you know, poor timing, bad decision-making, whatever you want to call it. You know, that disaster happened on its first trip of that year. And there were 12 or 13 more trips that were planned that year that obviously <clears throat> never happened. So, Now, Mariah, you said that you have a little bit of history at Dix that you learned while you're prepping for the podcast. Yes. So I was in preparation for this podcast. I am what I would consider a history buff. So I was looking forward to it. Um, and so I reached out to my mom and I was telling her about it and found out that she actually went to basic training here at Fort Dix well before I was born. But yeah, so it's kind of like a full circle story. Mm-hmm. That's very cool because basic training, and I think you were saying it was in the late 80s. So mm-hmm. 88, 87, 88 timeframe when uh, the Base Realignment and Closure Commission decided to change the roles of of Fort Dix, that's when the basic training went away. You know, mm-hmm. basic training started in 1947. Uh, the first class, I believe, graduated uh, in October of 1947. So there's 40 years ish of of basic training that happened there. And, and talking from you, it sounds like your mom was probably one of the last ones one to go last. through mm-hmm. through basic training. So that's that's pretty historic. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, James. Well, thanks very much for your time. For the folks out there, what's uh, what are some resources? Where can they find more information about the history and heritage of JBMDL? Well, um, you can contact me, obviously. Uh, my email is james.warrick.2. That's W-A-R-R-I-C-K, uh, dot two at us.af.mil. That's, you know, I, I get a lot of emails, a lot of inquiries. So that's probably one of my favorite things to do is answer all these questions because I get questions out of that come out of left field as far as, hey, my grandfather was here or there's this unit here or or this incident happened. Can you tell me more about it? So I get a lot of uh, inquiries through email. That way you can contact me uh, at my phone, 754-3350. On SharePoint, if you have access to the, to the 87th Air Base Wing SharePoint, under the wing staff is a historian page. I keep that updated. So it has uh, history reports and it has the heritage guide that we talked about. Uh, so you can you can go there for some resources. I've got about 100, 110 pictures that also scroll through that you can kind of see the evolution of the base, all three parts of the base, not just the Air Force, but um, Fort Dix and, and Lakehurst as well. So, All right. Well, great. Welcome again, Mariah. Welcome to uh, MSG Mic'd Up. You did a Thank great you. job hosting the podcast. We're excited to have you on some more episodes. And again, James, thanks. Thank you for having uh, thanks me. Thanks for this having us great. on. This is a, it was really cool to read the Heritage Guide. So We'll put a link in the show notes if we can to the Heritage Guide. And then, uh, so all the listeners out there, there's a lot of great heritage across the entire joint base. And there like is. you said, it's it's been around a long time and there's a lot of different missions that have been here and things that have happened here. So check it out and learn a little more about the history and heritage of JBMDL. Definitely. Thank you.